are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning again, and today we are wrapping up the series that we have been uh, doing over the past couple weeks called Ponder the Path. The key text has been from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. It says, Ponder the path of your feet, then your ways will be sure. So we've been looking at this pathway of life that God has given us, and today the focus is going to be about the part that each one of us plays in completing the path that Jesus has for his body. So I look back at my pathway of life, I look back at a couple roles that I've played that are most meaningful to me, and there's two roles I think that I want to really highlight today because these are the things that I have loved most in life doing. One is being a husband and a father. And I look at the pathway of that life, and I, you know, at this stage of life, I have two daughters that are grown. If you don't know me, they are 29 and 28, and one lives in California, and one lives in the East Coast, and, and, uh, and they're up and they're out on their own. And yet I look back at the treasure of memories, this treasure chest of memories that we have built over the years, and that is so, so valuable to all of us. And I remember those first little fingers and tiny little toes when I, when I first laid eyes on them, and that's priceless, and, and, and the unique personalities that grew and emerged from them, their first steps that they took, and those little childhood days, and the little school plays, and the little church performances that they put on, and uh, as we grew up, and, and shared vacations and trips together, then they went to college, and they discovered their own voice and their own way of expressing their faith, and they've gone up and out. And I, I think that of all the things in life, that seems to be the most important. I agree with Bill Cosby, who said, nothing I've ever done has given me more joys and rewards than being a father to my children. My prayer for them has always been and still is that above all else, that they would be whole, that, 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 that they would be healthy in mind, body, and spirit. That, that they would love God, that they would love others, and they would do their part to help make the world a better place in their own special way. And every night we grew up praying for them every day. My prayer at the end of our prayer time together would be that line I would always pray, and God help them to make the world a better place. And so we planted those seeds. I believe that's happening as they grow up, and that's going to continue to be a life goal and my prayer for them. But my prayer is also for our family that we would grow up together still grateful for God's blessings on us and thankful for one another that each member of us in this family would be committed to the success of the others. And I think if, if a family can be that way together, then it, it is true that as we travel through these stages of this path, it all starts and ends with family. It really does. And, and so those are the thoughts that I have at, on this day, on Father's Day, as I look back at that, that most rewarding role that I have had. But uh, the other role that I have absolutely loved is being a pastor. I really have loved that. I never planned on it growing up. It wasn't a lifelong dream. It was just something that kind of hit me. Uh, when I was in college, and I didn't even know how that would turn out, but looking back now, uh, it has been a, a, a privilege and an honor to see a community of faith take, take, take uh, root 
uh, start as a fledgling little child in a sense and grow up. And now here we've been a part of this thing for almost 25 years now. And, and I have seen it grow and it has been just an absolute, absolute joy seeing from a fledgling group of families, a few handful of families and singles that came together and said, we want to reach our community. We want to be the community that, that can benefit, can make this place a better community. And my prayer really for the church has always been the same for my own family, that we would be whole. I mean, my prayer wasn't necessarily that we would be big, but that we would be whole and and that we'd be healthy in mind and body and spirit. Now, I don't know, many of you are leaders of organizations or you lead teams of people in in your organization, in your business, and you know how difficult it is to keep the whole thing going in the same direction and to keep different people with different personalities and different ideas and different dreams rowing in the same direction and aligned and heading together without having a lot of these silo thinkings and sideways thinking. And my, my greatest reward at this stage of life in this church is to be able to step back and see it happening. And it thrills me to no end when I look around and see what gets done nowadays And I don't have much of a part in it because other people are finding their gifts and skills and talents and abilities, and they are helping make the body a healthy thing. Now, it's interesting. When I started, when I was studying for this message this week, one of the things I like to do is look over past times I've spoken on the texts. I mean, I'm doing this long enough. Uh, I've pretty much preached on most texts of the Bible more than once. and, And I pulled out a message. I keep hard copies of all my messages from May of 1989, I had been here, we had been in this church for five months at that time, and, and we are probably running about 30 people, and, um, and when I was speaking on this text, I, I, here's exactly what I had written down. Some may look around and say that because we don't have our own building, we were meeting in a little cinder block room in the Masonic Hall on Salzburg Road in Penn Hills. And I said that some might look around and say that because we don't have our own building or because we don't have programs for every age group or because we don't have 500 people that are, that, that, uh, uh, that, that, that because we don't have all these things that we are sick and that we're weak and we're homely as a group, as a church. And I told them, I said, I look around and I see that even though we may not have all these things that an older church has, we are in great health. We simply aren't as old. A three-year-old toddler may not be able to drive a car, vote, earn a living, and support a family like a 30-year-old, but he may be just as healthy and maybe even more healthy. So health doesn't come with age and with size. Health comes when the body is working the way it's supposed to work. And my joy is to be able to look around and see how many people, two weeks ago, this space right here, if you would have walked in here, and some of you did, many of you did, you would not have recognized it. It was packed to the brim with things that people brought for sale, for our church-wide yard sale. And there was a group of people, a small group of people, who pulled this thing off from beginning to end, and they worked their behinds off to get that thing done and raise $5,000 toward the capital campaign so that this place and the new Nexus site can be all that we believe it can be so that we can be healthy. 
And at the same time, down at the other end of town was a group of students at the Nexus, uh, Nexus students that were working at the Relay for Life. They were the largest contingency of people down there, and they did an incredible job pulling that thing off down there. And all I had to do was show up, throw, give, donate some of the clutter in my house to be sold, buy a few more things to clutter my house, and, uh, and go down there and walk around and enjoy. And I just got to see all the different people who God has raised up. All the people who said, I want to be a part of this. All the people who were able to put their time and talent and gifts together to make it happen. But it happens all the time. Tomorrow, a small army of people are giving up their week this week to go over to Springdale to help with the Fun and Freedom Camp. A lot of students are going to be using their summertime to help run this program over there. And some other adults are going to be doing that. But week after week, this happens. And I get such a thrill out of just seeing it all happen. I mean, even on a Sunday morning, we see that there are greeters, ushers, prayer partners. We have teachers and helpers and sound and video and lighting technicians and musicians. I mean, every week there's small group leaders and groundskeepers and people on visitation teams visiting the sick and the shut-ins. We have meal teams that help care for those that are just out of the hospital. We have a hope team of people that say, we want to go to our community to some of the elderly that can't fix things for themselves and we just want to provide a helping hand, help provide a meal for the community in Verona every few months. We have people that are part of Stephen Ministers doing one-on-one care. We have mentors for students and follow coaches. And we have people that are gifted at administration and leadership and board members and overseers. And all of this happens without many of us even thinking about it. It just goes on. And as a pastor, nothing thrills me more than to be a part of that. Today's scripture reminds me of why I feel so good about that and why I love this church. And it comes from Jesus' prayer for the church. In fact, this is the one thing that Jesus prayed for before he died. When he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane praying all night long while his disciples were having a hard time staying awake with him. This is what Jesus was praying So we're going to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at what Paul had to say about Jesus' prayer later on. But John 17 is our our text. And we're going to jump in right in the middle of Jesus' prayer there. In verse 20, notice what Jesus is praying for. He says, I pray for these followers, but I'm also praying for all those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one. As you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. His prayer for his followers. Because that's his, the immediate crowd. He's praying for these who are going to be left after he's, after he's crucified and ascended into heaven. He's praying for them. But Jesus had the long view. He wasn't just praying for these. He was praying for those who would come after them. And those who would come after those who would come after them. And those who would come after those who would come after those who would come after them. And down the history and the gender. He had the long view. And you know the Bible says that Jesus is still interceding for the church today. I would guarantee you that this is what Jesus is still praying for the church today. 
that we would be united one together in mind and soul and purpose and body and spirit, that we would be about the same thing, headed in the same direction, working together as a healthy body. That's what Jesus was praying for, that they would all be one, one in purpose and responsibility and focus and mission. He said, just as, just as I am in them and you are in me, that they would be on that same plan that we are in, Father. That's my prayer. And so Jesus today is praying for you and me and for Riverside and all the churches in our area and all the churches around the world. He's praying that they would be about what Jesus wants us to be about. Why does he pray this? He says it right there. He says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So I pray that they have been that they would be so aligned, that they would be so on track, that people would come into this gathering, that they would see where they are, and they would put their faith in Jesus because of what they see in the people who are called by his name. He goes on to say, that same glory that you gave me in verse 22. That same glory that you gave me, what does he mean by that? That that glory, that word, that's kind of a biblical word. And, and what it means is he's, he's speaking, he's kind of bringing into their minds the idea in the Old Testament when God led the people through the wilderness, the glory of God, the Shekinah, the presence of God that was in their midst that, that spoke to Moses and led the people as they wandered in that path, in the hard places, in the desert, and in the dry places. He's saying, I pray that when they come together, that the glory that you gave me There was something different about Jesus. There was a presence around Jesus. There was something about him that people recognize that that will be in them so that they will be as unified and together as we are, Jesus says. He goes on to say that I am in them and you are in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the, and I love this, verse 23, and give the godless world evidence that you have sent me and love them in the same way that you loved me. That's the message version. I love it. How is a godless world going to come into the presence of God? How are they going to know what God is like? It's because of God's people are going to bear that, carry that with them. So here's the thing. When, when people are exposed to a group of Christians who get it right, who get this one thing down right, those who don't believe are going to become believers. They're going to start to follow. But there's a flip side to that. Conversely, when God's people get it wrong, it will undermine Jesus' plan. The reason so many people aren't in church isn't because they don't know what church is like or what the inside of a building, church building is like. The reason why so many people aren't in church is that they've been to church. The reason why they're not in church is they've met too many church people. And the church people that they know have done more to undermine what Jesus is like than to esteem and to reflect Jesus. The reason some of you don't read your Bible is because you met too many people who've read their Bible and they're the meanest people you've met. And you say, I'm afraid to read my Bible because I don't want to be a mean person like them. And, and so when we get it wrong, it does more to hurt the gospel than to help the gospel. But when we get it right, people will believe. People will believe. So 
When a local church gets it right, it is attractive. It is intriguing. People who are, not, who, who, are, who, who, who are nothing like Jesus, when Jesus walked on this earth, liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. Let me, let me, get that, let me say it again. People who were nothing like Jesus when he walked on this earth, they liked Jesus. And Jesus liked them. Can the same thing be said about Jesus' church today? Do people who are not like Jesus like Christians today? And do Christians like people who are not like them today? And if not, and I think in the culture, that is the perspective of the culture in which we live. And I know it's a PR campaign, but I think that Christians have added enough fuel to that PR fire that we have brought it on ourselves. When we don't reflect the love of God to ungodly people, when we don't esteem those who are unlike us, when we don't love the outsiders as much as we are so proud and liking of ourselves, then it undermines what Jesus was praying for. But when we get it right, it works. And so Jesus was praying, if they don't get anything else, I pray that they get this, that when they come together, they will be so united, they'll be so one around their mission and their purpose that it's attractive, and others are going to begin to believe simply because they see these followers, and they're going to recognize that there's something different about them. And I believe that that we do this well, and I'm not saying this in a prideful way, you do this well. I see it Week after week, as I mentioned, all these people who are putting it together, all these people who are adding to it, who are doing their part and making it work. And, it, and, and I see that people who walk into this place, sometimes they'll walk in and I know it's their first time and they have one foot out the door and one foot in the door and they're just waiting for something weird to happen so they can run and never come back again and say, see, I knew it was like that. And, uh, and, and, and yet when they come and they stay and they feel the warm welcome and they sense the joy and they, and they understand that we're, we might be strange, but no stranger than they are. And so they all, we all come together and they feel like they can be a part of it. Then all of a sudden, by the end of it, they're, they're singing and they're, they're doing, and it's like tears. I see tears. So many people that we talk to at our newcomers receptions and those gatherings where we try to sort of mine some information about them. I, I hear so many people say that, boy, I, I didn't know what to expect, but by the time I walked out of there, I was in tears. And, and the reason is because when we gather together, there's something more to us than us. And let me expound, expound on that. 30 years after Jesus had uh, prayed this prayer, the Apostle Paul as he was going around the Mediterranean coastal towns and planting little churches. And by the way, the churches that Paul planted were nothing, not even close to the size. We're not a large church, in my opinion. They were more like the church that I was pastoring 25 years ago with 30 people. These were house churches. These were just small groups of people. And it was these small groups of people that got this right. And because they got it right, it spread to other groups of people. And like wildfire, the kingdom spread and grew during that time period. 
So Paul, as he's speaking to these people, and, he, and, and in several places he brings up this idea, but we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, as he expounds on Jesus' prayer for oneness. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's taking the teaching of Jesus, and he's explaining it and sort of strategizing with the local church there, of this is how this is supposed to look. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, he says, Therefore, Paul, writing for prison at the time, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You've heard it said that love covers a multitude of sins, But why is it in church, it seems like we uncover a multitude of sins and we expose and we judge and we condemn and we look down our nose at people that maybe are just like we are or just like we were before we found Jesus. So anyhow, he said, because of your love, you're going to make allowance for each other's faults Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So as we go down this path, as we ponder this path, as a community of believers who are walking down this journey together, how are we to do this? Well, we need to live up to the standard, live up to the worthy calling that all of us have received. And that worthy calling is to reflect Jesus to be like Jesus to the community. That's the high calling. That's a high standard, obviously. But we're to live up to that. We're to live up to our best potential. And as we do that, we live up to that calling. This is what we should be known for. He goes, what did he say? We should be known for humility, for gentleness, for patience, and for our tolerance of other people's faults and our own faults because of our love. Is that what the church is known for? Are we forgiving? Are we understanding? Are we, are we gentle? Are we humble? Are we all of those things? And then he goes on and he says, make every effort to be united in the Spirit. If it came easily, he wouldn't have to tell us to work hard at it. I mean, if you and your own family have a hard time keeping peace, is it not natural that people of a bunch of different families who come together might have a hard time? forgiving and understanding and helping each other. Of course, it takes effort to do this. Why are we to do this? He says, make it our top priority. Make every effort to do this. Why? He goes on and he says, for there is one body. Notice the one. And he takes this from Jesus' teaching. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Notice, what's the word that comes out over and over in here? One. We are one. We have one God. All of those things, he says. All of us have the same origin, the same hope for a better future, the same Lord, the same need for the same means of forgiveness. We all have the same God and we all are on the same destiny. So all of us are united together around these, these things. But notice he says, however, 
So you see uh, that word, that, that, that changes things a little bit. On the other side, he says, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So on the one hand, he says, we are one, but then he says, we are all different. Do you get that? We're all one, but we all have a special grace. The word charis, the word grace. All of us have been given unique abilities, skills, talents, passions, desires. All of us have been given a special grace. In, in uh, the, a similar passage in 1 Corinthians, he uses the word charismata, which is grace gifts. He gives each of us grace gifts. That's where the word charismatic comes from. All of us have these grace gifts that have been given to us, and all of us are unique in that. And because we are all unique, we are all different. Now, so the thing is, and this is the genius of God's plan for his church, it is living with the tension that we are one, but we are different. That we are one, united in purpose and, and, and vision and mission and destiny and hope and all those things, but we're all uniquely different. So how do we live with that tension of being one and being so different, and yet that's the genius of it? Notice he says, now these are the gifts that Christ has given the church. Verse 11, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Notice what he says there, that we are all have different gifts and abilities, those gifts that he mentions there, there are longer gifts, lists of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans chapter 12. And we could expound that even, even longer. I think none of those lists are exhaustive in my opinion. But he gives all of these things for the church. So because why? Because we are one body. And this is, this is the genius of it all. Notice, let's read on there and then we'll go back to this. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more, how? Like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and what? Full of, hello, full of, full of love. We live with this tension when we're a healthy body. First Corinthians 12, he, he, he puts it really clearly. He says, we need all the different parts of the body for the body to be whole. If everything was an eye, you know, where would the hands be? If it, you know, and he just cuts up the body and he says, if everything was the same part, it, it, it would not be a pretty sight, would it? If we all did the same things and were built the same way and were wired the same way and did the same things, we could only do one thing. But if we get all of the parts of the body doing all the parts that God has uniquely gifted them for, the strategy of God, the prayer of Jesus, the whole idea of living with the tension is that all of those different parts would be like a healthy body where all the parts work together to get somewhere. 
to go in some direction, to accomplish some goal and some plan. So Christ, the head of the body, is that body just a metaphor or is there something more to it than that? Now, it is a metaphor, but is there more to it than he's just using a metaphor? When he's talking about Christ, the head of the body, and we are all the parts of that body, and he gives apostles and prophets and evangelists to equip the body so that the body may be built up, all these other things work together to accomplish God's will. When it's working right, he said it's like the body of Christ. Well, here, I think that it's more than just a metaphor. And I agree with Andy Stanley when he spoke on this. He said, the closest anyone will ever get to being in the physical presence of Jesus is when they are in a local church that is functioning like the body of Christ. That's the good news. The bad news is when it's not functioning like the body of Christ, they're far from the presence of Jesus. But the point here is that the church on mission, when the church gets it right, it is the presence of Christ. Until we all reach unity in the faith, he says, then we'll be mature and we'll be having the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the idea, what he's really saying is, is as your body works together and it works all the parts together, it grows and it, gets, and it gets stronger and it gets smarter and it becomes more mature and all the different parts of the body help the other parts of the body and the body matures and it grows. And what does it right when, it, when the body of Christ does it properly as Jesus says that it should, when we come together, we are more than just the sum of our parts. We are more than just all the little body parts come together. When we come together, there is something more, and that is the presence of God. That's the glory that Jesus said, that I in them as you are in me. I give them that glory. And so when people come and they see that all the parts are working together and they sense that there's something different here. It is the fact that there is the presence of God that is, that is in that place. We are bigger than the sum of our parts when we come together and do it right. And you might say, well, you know, I don't really have much of a part to play or I only do this one thing. And but yet you do it. You do it so well. So when somebody drives down the street and they look at how nicely landscaped the building is, they say, well, that looks like a church that cares about itself. That looks like a church that, <clears throat> that has something going on. Or they walk by the mall and they see that, that, that display at the mall and they think, well, that's very interesting. And and so they don't think about the people that work to build that place up there. They don't think about the person that's cutting the grass and maintaining the landscaping. They don't think about all that takes place for the buildings and grounds committee and the board to budget and all the people involved in the decisions to make that happening. So they say, well, I might visit that church and they get online and they see, oh, there's all this. Well, who put that website together and who's updating that and who's making and they come in the door and somebody welcomes them. They're just, they're just a one body, but they come and before they ever get here, there have been several somebodies who have invi invited them or, or, or made it welcoming for them. And when they get in the door, there's somebody that welcomes them. There's somebody that greets them. There's somebody that, 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 that speaks to them, that leads them, that, that teaches their children, that shows them where things are. There's somebody that is there to connect them to others. If they get involved, there's somebody that wants to be their small group leader. There's somebody that wants to help them. And you love a church that has all those things happening for you. 
And you've benefited from a church that has provided that when you were a child or a church that made that happen for you when you were a child. And all of us have that and are thankful for that happening in our life. But what Jesus is saying is for this to continue to be healthy, for us to grow even stronger as we grow older, it still takes all the parts. And when each part does its part, people become a part. When each part does its part, people become a part. People who are resistant to Christ becomes less resistant. People who are skeptical of the church become less skeptical. Jesus prayed that if they get anything, that they get this. Make sure that they are one. Oneness is when every individual who has a different skill and a different talent, different experience and a different story and a different background and different education, when they bring all of their differences together and they work in tandem with others who are following Jesus. Oneness is that amazing thing that happens. It's like a body, not just like a body. It is the body of Christ. It is the presence of God that will touch the world and make the world a better place. And we hear those stories time and time again of how people have been impacted because of so many things that they don't even realize that it's the body of Christ working together. And that's the power of a healthy body when they're all working and everything's working right. And here's the thing today before we leave, I want to say this. If you're already serving and working and, and, and you found your place in the body of Christ, you do it so well. And, it's, and, and I, want you to, I want you to feel the sense of joy and that you are the answer to God's prayer for the church. But we need everybody. We need you to be a somebody in this body. We need you. If you are calling this place your church... We need you to be a somebody in this body. If this body is to be a healthy body, working to help those somebodies who walk into this body find a home and their place in the body. We all need, every single one of you, needs to be a functioning part of the body. And so what we want you to do today is to begin to process that. Begin to think about that. How can we do this? How can we do this? That's what this brochure that we've given to you in the bullet is about. Now, if you're a guest, I know that you're not going to be able to sign up on this today, and we're not asking you to do that, but we want you to know that this is our goal for what we have here, and this is what we want to be. I'm going to ask Lori to come on up here. Pastor Lori is our Caring and Connections pastor. Lori is amazing at bringing things together, of taking all these parts and pulling it off. The gifts of administration and organization that she has and Pastor David have are a gift to this church. And her role and their role and our role as a team is to help you find where you fit in the body. And so this little thing is for us, it's a little tool for us. We're not going to We're not going to put you in a place next week. It's not going to happen next month. We're looking at in the fall. But between now and the fall, we want to to mine some information and find out how we can help you find your fit in the body. Lori, would you explain that to us? Thank you. Well, before I do that, I want to ask the ushers if they would, because inside your bulletin in this pamphlet, pull it all out. Make sure you get it out. I want to see it in your hands. But inside of there is just a little slip of paper called Shaped for Serving God. And if there's only... You know, one of you and one of these, that's good. But if there are two or three or four of you and only one of these, I want you to put your hands up because the ushers will get those in your hands because I would like everyone to fill those out for us today. 
You know, Bill made a, a great point in his message. He said, a church that functions as a healthy body manifests the presence of God. And each of you are a part of this body. And I get excited. I get excited. You guys know I'm hyper on Sunday morning. It's not coffee. Bill thinks it is. It's not coffee. I get excited because I get to see you guys. And each day, or each Sunday morning, someone new walks in. You know what I think? I think, wow, I wonder what part of the body they're going to be. I wonder why God brought them here. What are they going to do? What are they going to do for God? And so when we are all using our gifts, and I know some of you are going, uh, well, uh, I don't think I have any of those gifts. And so I'll just sit here quietly. No. <laughs> you can be an introvert. You can be an extrovert. God has a purpose and a talent that he specifically placed in you. And so what I'm going to ask of you, that's right. And what I'm going to ask of you is pull this out and take a look at it. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pull out that pencil in front of you. Uh, there's a pencil in front of you in the chair. I'm going to ask if you would to put your name and some contact information on there. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to go through the list. It says talents, select all that apply. I want you to go through there and I want you to check off uh, the talents that you believe that God has given you. Uh, and for those of you who go through and check every one of them off, you're buying me lunch because I want to hear about that. But anyways, I want you to go through and I want you to check off the things uh, that you feel uh, that God has given you. And you know what? If you're sitting here today and saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking around the room and I know Melanie Tappy's in here somewhere. And I can remember back in the day when I remember sitting with her and I'm going, you know what, Melanie, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't, I think I'm just the gifts of helps. Like I'll just do whatever, you know, whatever you need, I'll do it. She goes, that's a huge gift. So every gift is important and we need all of you to be a part of the body. So go through there and I want you to uh, select uh, your talents. And then on the back side, there's a part where uh, we ask you to fill out and it says team. And we ask you, if you would, if you would please uh, pick the top two ministry choices that you would like to take a crack at a serving in here at Riverside. And can I just say, one of the best ways and one of the quickest ways to grow spiritually is to serve God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, you'll be pulled out of your comfort zone and all those things, but you won't be doing it by yourself because we're all here. We're all doing it. And we all want you to be able to do it as well. So if you would fill that out, I'm going to ask the ushers if they would, we're going to have them uh, pass the uh, baskets in a little bit. And if you would, I'd like very much if you would put that form in there and uh, we'll work on that for the fall. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is really just a tool for us this summer to be able to go through and, um, We'll pick this up in August as we get ready for the fall. We'll give you some other times to get together to discover and think through this uh, and have some other meetings. But if you're willing to be a part, be a somebody in this body, and you might not even know where that is right now, just put your name on there and say, please, I want to be a part of this. I need to know more. And, uh, and we will contact you and Laurie will help you and we'll work together. Because our job, Laurie's job, my job, David, Donnie, um, uh, all the pastors here, our job is to help you, to equip you so that the body might be built up, all of us. Imagine what a church is like when everybody in the body is doing their part. Imagine how wonderful that is when everybody's rowing in the same direction. Imagine when everybody's united around the same thing. And yes, fighting over how it should be done or ways should be done, but loving each other through their differences, overlooking one another's faults because there's a greater purpose than that. That's the dream. Let me just say this. Outside of your own family, I don't think there's anything more rewarding for you to do 
than to be a part of the body of Christ, helping make the world a better place, reflecting Jesus to a godless world of what God really is like and how much God loves them. And if you say, I'm going to do this, you won't regret it. You'll be glad you did. Let's bow our heads, pray, and then we'll just respond with a song before we go. And you can drop those in the baskets as we sing. Lord, in this moment, we just ask you, God, to give us grace. Help us to realize the grace that you've already given us, but give us more grace to respond so that we could be a part of answering the prayer that you have for your church. We always think about, God, you need to answer our prayers, but we don't think about the fact that you're praying for us too, and you are praying that we will be the answer to your prayer. How can we be the answer to your prayer? This is how we can do that, Jesus. So we want to be a part of the answer to your prayers, and as a result, people will believe. They will find and follow Jesus, and that's what you desire that the world may be a better place. In the name of Jesus, through our Savior and Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.